I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 106. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Identity. It's a hot topic in America these days, and to be perfectly honest with you, it's a hot mess. I mean, when we give awards, for char- not for character and integrity, but for changing your gender, I like what Franklin Graham said, if you want an example of real courage, it's when Jesus Christ willingly allowed himself to become your sin and died in your place on the cross, the righteous one for the unrighteous. So there's a lot of confusion about identity. Who am I? Am I defined by what I do, how much I make, what I look like? Where am I placing the treasure of my heart and my care and my concern? Am I focused on becoming something someone else wants me to become? Or am I more concerned about who my creator made me to be? You know, even more than important than who I am is whose I am. In fact, Blanca, who brings us this week's song, Who I Am, said, when I know whose I am, I know who I am. As we jump into scripture inspired by our song this week, I want to introduce the Bible interaction tool exercise that I am using this week. And we can take a bite out of scripture, B-I-T-E, by using these exercises and making them a natural part of how we interact with God's word. You know, if you place these bites or these Bible interaction tool exercises in your toolbox, like a tool, you can pull them out whenever you need them to bring variety to your time in God's Word, and then also making that time more meaningful and heart-changing. So again, the bite that we're we're taking this week, your B-I-T-E, Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, is to remember that the people in the stories you are reading are real. The exercise is to picture them in their environments. What are they wearing? What do they look like? What are the smells, sights, and sounds in the story? What are they feeling? So many times we quickly read through these stories in God's word. We don't take the time to remember that we're reading about real people with real problems and real emotions. Sure, the setting changes what you know, what you're picturing. Ancient Israel is not a conversation at Starbucks. But if you invest a little imagination, a little reading between the lines, it can really change the story for you forever and actually may lead to some biblical breakthroughs in your own life. 
Now, I'm heading over to 1 Samuel 16, and we don't have time right now to read all the chapters leading up to that. So um, you would do this in your own time. You would read some of these chapters leading up to 1 Samuel 16 just to give you the context of what you're reading. But since we don't have time to do that, I want to go ahead and give you some of the highlights, the cliff notes, so to speak. Now, God was Israel's king, but they decided that they wanted a human king, like all the other people that surrounded them. And so the Lord gave them Saul as their king, and he was wonderful for a while until he decided to disobey God and he took things into his own hands. And that is where we are as we enter 1 Samuel 16. Now, Samuel is God's prophet, and he was the one who anointed Saul as king in the first place. And he tried to guide him, and he gave him wise counsel and God's words during Saul's reign. He was definitely his go-between um, between God, and, and, and he, he used his counsel and his guidance as he was king. But at, at some point, Saul refused his counsel, and then he really just didn't see what the big deal was anyway. It's almost like he just lost sight of how destructive disobedience is. And so at this point, Samuel is really sad. You know, he's grieving the what could have been, I think, in Saul's life. And I'm not sure if you've ever been there. And it, it's usually in these type of circumstances when someone else is making choices that you have no control over, and they have refused your influence over them. And, and you've shed many a tear over what could have been or what should have been, and you've cried out to God. And I want you to see how God responds to Samuel here in, in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Moving on, okay? God, even God, he, he orders and blesses and ordains and coordinates and instructs us to move on. God loved Saul with the same everlasting love as anyone, but he loves his people and he loves his purposes more and Saul was not in line with either. So let's not forget our B-I-T-E this week. Let's not forget our Bible interaction tool exercise. What is Samuel feeling? If I'm Samuel, I'm feeling a little relief because it's obvious this is not going anywhere with Saul. You know, it's like, okay, good. There's progress. We can move on. But I'm still grieving. And part of me doesn't want to let go. After all, God, you wouldn't give up on him, would you? I feel guilty packing up my oil flask and heading out to anoint someone new while Saul is still king. In fact, not just guilty, but fearful. First Samuel 16 2 says, but Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul asks, hears about it, he will kill me. So God gives Samuel a plan to avoid trouble with Saul while still obeying God's instruction to anoint a new king. So here it is. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. 
So Samuel's fears are not unfounded, by the way. If you keep reading, you see that the people of Bethlehem came trembling when they saw Samuel coming into town. Now, I'm not sure if they trembled because when Samuel came to town, he usually rebuked sin and brought correction. That could be a good deal, part of it. And perhaps they trembled because they had such great respect for the man um, whom God speaks through that they were just trembling in, you know, kind of a respectful honor sort of way. Uh, Maybe they knew of the trouble between Samuel and Saul. Uh, No matter the reason, Samuel assured them that he came in peace. And uh, so they were like, have you come in peace? And he says, yes, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. So let's go back to our Bible interaction tool exercise. What are Jesse and his sons thinking at this point? Again, who knows, but probably in line with with the elders of the town, if I had to guess. Nervous, trembling, excited, wondering what in the world is going on. I mean, I don't imagine Samuel came right out and said, so I'm here on a mission from God to anoint the new king because Saul has made such a mess of things. I'm pretty sure that was not the dialogue uh, in between these verses. I imagine that Jesse and his sons, I mean, the verse kind of implies that they were just some of the guests at this sacrifice. And then we see verse six. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Ah, so Samuel takes one look at Eliab and thinks to himself, this is the guy. You know, I wonder if he looked like Saul. You know how sometimes we refer to people as uh, looking or seeming presidential? You know, doesn't that mean that they have a look about them that inspires confidence that they are in charge? You know, don't we base that description on our thoughts of perhaps another person who has actually been president and held himself in a way that seemed worthy of the office? And that's what makes me wonder if Eliab looked like Saul or held himself like Saul, tall, dark, and handsome, right? Confident and impressive. And the eldest of the brothers that Samuel was sent to. But God says, not so fast. In verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now that's good stuff right there. And that's why I've chosen that verse as our memory verse for the week. And you need to remember that if you are constantly worried about what you look like, good or bad, um, whether it's a, a physical look or whatever, how you appear to others or seem to others, trying to fit a mold or bemoaning the fact that you're far from that mold, either perspective is judging by your outward appearance about what seems from the outside. Don't gloss over the fact that God rejected this fine specimen of a man as king. He didn't just say, no, not that one. He flat out said, I have rejected him. You know, there was something in Eliab's heart that God would have no part of. Don't skim over that. And this is why we have to spend more time on our heart than we do on our outward appearance. I'm not saying that we should not honor the temple that God gave us. You know, that we don't have to invest in healthy eating and healthy living and exercise and, you know, taking a bath, you know, personal hygiene. Uh, But what are we tending our heart? Because that is what your Lord judges. It reminds me of what Paul teaches us in Romans 12. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The behavior and the customs of this world is to look on the outside. That is where people see their identity. Who do you identify with? What groups on the outside? What, um, what do you look like on the outside? What kind of clothes are you wearing on the outside? But how you think is a reflection of his heart, where God is really concerned with. God is really concerned with what's on the inside. What are you thinking? Where is your heart? And when you tend to your heart, you will learn God's will for you, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I want that. I, I, I want that, not to be rejected by God because of something that's in my heart. So we move on to verse 8. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this one the one the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? So uh, here we see... One by one, the sons of Jesse are paraded in front of Samuel. It doesn't tell us if they were presented in birth order here, but I couldn't help it. I had to track down that information. It was like one of those, I wonder if if that's birth order or if it's like Jesse liked that one more than the other. (laughs) So in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, it gives us the birth order, and it seems as though Jesse presented his sons in birth order, which is not surprising. Um, It was very important in those days. You know, the order in which um, you were born would determine the blessing that you received, but None is the one that God chose before he ever even sent Samuel on this mission in the first place. Don't forget that. God's not looking at them going, hmm, no, not that one. Hmm, No, no. He knew he chose before he even sent Samuel on this mission who he had in mind. So what is Jesse's response when Samuel asks, are these all the sons you have? Jesse replies, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. It's not, oh my, yes, David, I forgot. Or how could I forget? It's, well, there's the youngest, but he's busy with the chores. You won't, you don't really want him. It's kind of like Cinderella with the glass slipper. She's just a maid. Don't worry about her. Now, Jesse doesn't even use David's name. Do you notice that? He uses him, he, he refers to him as the youngest. And some translations say the smallest. It's almost as if this lyric was written by David. Another voice, another choice To listen to words somebody said Another day, I'll replay One too many doubts inside my head Am I strong, beautiful? Am I good enough? Do I belong after all that I've said and done? Is it real when I feel I don't measure up? Am I loved? I bet David knew he was the smallest. He must have sensed that his earthly father did not deem him as consequential as his brothers. I mean, the prophet comes to town and asks you to come with your sons and you leave one in the field? Like, surely he doesn't mean David too. You know, you're David. Let's take that B-I-T-E. Let's take that bite. How do you feel? You begin to question your identity. 
You're not even included as a consequential son in the family. How can you be consequential to God? How will you ever matter in life? Another day, I replay one too many doubts inside my head. You know, David had reasons for the doubts inside his head. You can almost hear Jesse saying, you don't mean David, right? He's just a kid. Don't you think Eliab looks kingly? You know, but Samuel stood firm in verse 11. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So it's not like David was like this ugly duckling of the family, but whether it was cultural tradition or just downright dismissing the baby brother, he was left out by his family, but not by God. So what do you think his brothers thought of this presentation? (laughs) I'm pretty sure they did not celebrate the fact that their brother would be king. You know, uh, they were probably jealous and confused and maybe even unkind to David. And it kind of makes me look back to Joseph's brothers and how they responded to God's favor on Joseph's life. But then you add to the fact that David changed. You know, they could not deny the spirit of the Lord that came powerfully upon David from that day on. No way. You might be able to observe it, but you don't have to like it. And so what should have been a gloriously exciting day might have just added to David's misery because he changed. So he was already the smallest, the youngest, inconsequential, but obviously handsome with beautiful eyes and probably had skills and talents that they didn't even notice. And now the spirit of God comes on him in an amazing way and just reading between the lines. I mean, we're, I'm not trying to add to scripture here. I'm just saying these are real people who probably did not really respond in like this generous way that said, oh, I'm so glad that God's favor came upon our family through our youngest brother. I'm pretty sure that's not what happened. So who are you in this story today? Are you Samuel? Are you grieving what could have been? Are you the elders of Bethlehem trembling at God's message and assignment for you? Are you Jesse, pushing your own agenda? Are you David's brothers, hoping to move ahead on your charm and good looks while neglecting your heart? Or maybe you're David, in a stinky job, underappreciated, wondering if you're good enough, but on the verge of a great assignment by your creator. In case you're wondering, Blanca didn't write that first. David did in Psalm 139. I encourage you to check it out. So what's next? Well, let's read 1 Samuel 16 for yourself. It is such a good story. Consider all of the characters in the story. How are they affected by the circumstances? And do you see anything you've never considered before? And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me directly, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook. I'd love to talk about what you're learning.
Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Sid from somewhere in the U.S., Heather from Ohio, Marnell from Saudi Arabia, Philip from South Carolina, Margaret from Florida, Sylvia from somewhere in the U.S., Kim from Georgia, Annika from Minnesota, and Carol from Massachusetts. They are my newest subscribers to my website. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. And in that email, you will get a weekly memory resource to display on your smartphone, your desktop, your tablet, or you can print it out. You can, And you will also get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. It's just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellenizat.com to subscribe today. And don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes or Stitcher Radio for those Android users. And while you're in iTunes, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? It not only encourages me, but it really helps me stay visible to new listeners and gives me some credibility as well. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Chan Gwyn 77 who says she just became a listener after her husband recommended the podcast and her favorite part is that I direct people back to God's word. That's my favorite part too. Thank you so much. And then Amanda says she never misses an episode and comments on how I take beautiful songs and sometimes complicated scripture and gives practical tools for digging deeper and applying God's timeless truths in our everyday lives. Thank you for that eloquent summary, Amanda. And Kayla says, before I started to listen to your podcast, I just thought the songs that I learned at church were fun things to learn, but now I understand. Kayla, you have no idea how much that touches my heart. From the very beginning, that has been my desire for my listeners. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Alone by Holland to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 106. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.